one word about being at the same church for 29 years. That just says an awful lot about the kindness, the patience, and tolerance of that local church. This morning I want to talk to you about true grace. Please open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. I have just recently begun to appreciate the beauty of flowers. And you know, flowers are attractive from several different perspectives. You can take a single flower and just look at it and just be amazed at its elegance. Groups of flowers are nice, you know, uh, bouquets, uh, floral arrangements, they're pretty. A well-planned, uh, thoroughly weeded beds of flowers, uh, they're also very attractive. And finally, flowers that are, are just a part of a total landscaping scheme have a different type of beauty. The beauty of flowers can be seen from several, several different perspectives. In a similar way, I appreciate the beauty of the Word of God. To begin to comprehend its splendor, you have to consider it from several perspectives. You can be amazed at just studying a single verse. I, I prefer preaching like a paragraph at a time. That's what I normally do. But sometimes you can step back and get a bigger view of what is being taught. Or you can consider the theme of an entire book. And they're all, they all enhance your understanding and appreciation for the beauty of the Word of God. Well, today we have a rather lengthy passage that we're going to consider. And it's all about relationships. If your Bible has paragraph headings, you can probably see them. Verse 13 talks about your relationship to the government. Verse 18 talks about servants and their relationship to their masters. Verse 1 of chapter 3 continues talking about the relationship of a wife to her husband. And in verse 7, of a husband to his wife. And then at verse 8, you have a section dealing with the inter- relationships of a, a Christian of one Christian with another. Each of those sections is filled with interesting, important and insightful information and today we're going to just ignore a lot of that. We we can't talk about all of it. Instead, we're going to step back and we're going to try to find and try to gain an appreciation for the bigger picture. We want to sort of look at the whole flower bed instead of just the centerpiece in the middle of the table. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank You for the chance to be here this morning. Lord, we love Your Word. We thank You for telling us the truth. We recognize it as, as good. It's good for us. You are honored. You are glorified when we obey it. And I pray today, Lord, that You'd help us to see The big picture. Help us to see what is taught in this section of your truth. We ask for the help of your Holy Spirit in understanding 
in uh, discerning and applying, putting into practice the truths we consider today. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. I believe that the theme of 1 Peter is the grace of God. We can't talk about all this, but I believe this grace of God is demonstrated in three areas. There are three main sections to the book of 1 Peter. The first part talks about the grace of God being necessary for salvation. And then the part we're talking about, the middle part, it deals with the grace of God being necessary in our interpersonal relationships. And then the last part of the ver- or the last part of the book deals with the grace of God that is needed in our times of suffering and trials. Now, to be a little bit more specific, this middle section, the one we're going to talk about today, This, I believe, was written to convince the reader that you need the grace of God to show proper respect to those who don't deserve it. This morning, we're going to note the five relationships that are mentioned in this passage where showing respect can be difficult. First area has to do with the Christian and his government. I'm in 1 Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 13. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, yet not using your liberty as a cloak for vice, but as servants of God, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Now, as I mentioned, our goal, we can't talk about all the good things that are in this passage. We want to try to get the big point. And the main point is that we are to submit to every ordinance of man, verse 13, to the king and to the governor. Well, we don't have a king, but it means the uh, ultimate civil leader, that would be President Obama, or governor. We have a governor, and it's, you know, they're not exact parallels, but then there is Scott Walker. It says in verse 13, this is the will of God, that you respect these men. That you, verse 17, it says that you honor, like respect, honor everyone. You love your Christian family. You show reverence to God, and you respect the king. Now, just so we're all on the same page here, we can compare Scripture with Scripture, and you know know that if a command of God, a law of God, is in conflict with the law of man, we always choose to obey God. But if there is no conflict, then we Christians ought to be the most respectfully obedient citizens in America. And we don't just obey, we respect those who are in authority. And we obey them as if they ruled as God's appointees. I said earlier we should show proper respect to both President Obama and Governor Walker. I suspect that no matter where you are politically, you have a hard time respecting one of these men, one or the other. 
if you love our president, it's likely you will have difficulty respecting our governor and vice versa. Maybe we need to put this into perspective. When Peter wrote, and when Peter said, respect the king, he spoke of the Roman emperor Nero. Here's a typical comment from one of the uh, commentaries by Scott McKnight. He said, There could be few rulers whose claims on loyalty would be sustained by less personal merit than Nero. He was a terrible, infamous persecutor of Christians. He claimed to be God and wanted his, his subjects to worship him. It took him at least three times, but finally he succeeded in murdering his own mother. It's to this man that Peter writes and says, respect the king, honor the king, submit to that king. And you think you had a hard time. You have a hard time submitting and respecting to civil authorities today. It was the will of God for the early church to show respect for civil government and those in authority. It is His will for us today. It's not easy to show respect to politicians. I could probably just stop there. But to go on, politicians who do not deserve it. It's not easy, but it is possible thanks to the grace of God. Civil authorities are the first group mentioned. Who's next? Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear or respect. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable. If because of conscience toward God one endures grief, suffering wrongfully, What credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer for it, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in His steps, who committed no sin, nor was guile found in His mouth, who, when He was reviled, did not revile in return, when he, uh, when he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This section is addressed to servants. Well, we don't have servants like this in our culture. But if you have a job where you have a boss, you're, you're kind of a, a volunteer, eight-hour-a-day servant. And I think it's a, a legitimate application of the principles here to say it refers to today's workers and how they get along with those who are um, their bosses. Can you relate to what's going on here? The command to submit and show respect to your boss, and it says it's not only to the good and gentle bosses, 
but, well, verse 18, but also to the harsh, to those who are difficult. These servants were beaten. And in spite of being beaten by these harsh, overbearing bosses, masters, they were to show respect to them. They were to submit to them. And they were not beaten because they were loafing, because they were messing up, because they weren't doing their job. The passage here says they were doing what was right. They did what was good and they suffered for it. And the one who unjustly persecuted them, Peter writes, they're your boss, you must show them respect. You must submit to them. Okay, and now now I want to take one of these big steps back to kind of get the big picture. I want to fill in some of the blanks. Uh, First of all, let me remind you that I believe the theme of these verses is that you need the grace of God to show proper respect to those who don't deserve it. I told you earlier that the purpose of this letter uh, is to show that God's grace is needed and it's available for these three areas, for salvation, for submitting and respecting, and for suffering. It's time for me to show you why I'm saying that there's such an emphasis here on the grace of God And so would you please turn to chapter 5, verse 12. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 12. As Peter concludes his letter, he said, I'm sending this by Silvanus. He's our faithful brother, as I consider him. I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. This is why I'm, I believe there's a, a theme of the grace of God that permeates the letter. Peter, at the conclusion of it, says, well, the reason I wrote this letter was to show you, to exhort you concerning the true grace of God. So he tells us about the grace of God needed for salvation, submitting, and for suffering. There are a couple more things I need to to say in order to have a fuller understanding. Notice in verse chapter 2, verse 19, when he says, for this is commendable, there's a... When he says this is commendable, the, the Greek word for commendable is... Charis, if you know any Greek at all, you know that means grace. That's literally what he's saying. When when I, I tell you servants to submit to unjust bosses, well, that's grace. That's what I'm talking about. That's the, that's the theme I'm writing about. So the one who endures grief and respects the one causing the grief, that is grace. It's right there, though most of our English translations don't pick it up. Grace to show proper respect to those who don't deserve it. I have to say one more thing, and then we'll, we'll move on. I, I don't share the conventional understanding of the word grace. 
most define grace as God's unmerited favor. And, and it is. And I can't deny. I mean, I understand that. And much today is made of God's unconditional, unconditional love and acceptance. I've done, um, years ago, I did an extensive study of the grace of God. And my definition, which I'm sure is, uh, I should be giving credit to somebody else, but I don't know who, but I, I, I have come up with this definition of the, the grace of God. God's grace is God's loving response to man's inability. If you study grace in Scripture, I believe you will see that it normally, this is what I concluded, it normally refers to God's enabling. The result of receiving God's grace isn't that it nurtures your self-esteem and makes you feel good that you're loved. The result of God giving His grace to us is that we now have been enabled to do what He asked us to do. Now, that's, that's how I understand grace. And I know I, I, didn't, I can't support all this. I mean, I can't, I can't take the time to, to show you all of that. I think we have to be careful. I think there's a danger in how grace is typically presented today. In the times of uh, the early church, Jude wrote about those who turned the grace of God into sensuality. I agree with Titus when he said the grace of God that brings salvation teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Any view of grace that doesn't lead to living soberly, righteously, and godly in this world is not true grace. Grace is God seeing man helpless and unable to do what needs to be done, and so he lovingly responds by enabling him. Now that's how I understand grace in this section of 1 Peter. It is not easy. For it was not easy then for early Christians to look at Nero or any Roman emperor and then to hear it is God's will that you respect that man. How in the world am I going to do that? God's grace is sufficient. God will enable you. How can a servant who has just been beaten by his master be expected, and he wasn't doing anything wrong, he did what was right, what was good. How can he be expected to respect the one who has just unjustly beat him? How could he do that? Well, that's what God's grace is there for. The grace of God. It is his loving response to man's inability. So I said we're going to step back and get the big picture, and here it is. Peter writes to, just, or to testify about the, the true grace of God in this middle section of the book. He sees man in his relationship with others. God desires man to show respect to others, particularly others who do not deserve it. 
And the lesson we're supposed to learn is that you need the grace of God to show proper respect to those who don't deserve it. It's hard to respect immoral and incompetent civil leaders, but God enables. It's hard to respect an unreasonable, unjust boss who appears to have it in for us, but God enables. And now Peter gets really close to home while he actually gets in the home because he's now going to talk about the relationship between spouses in the home. First of all, he's going to consider the relationship of the Christian wife and her husband. Let me read to you the first six verses of 1 Peter 3. Likewise, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, even, um, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they consider your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Do not let your beauty be that of outward adorning and arranging the hair, of wearing of gold and putting on of fine apparel, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible ornament of a gentle and quiet spirit which is very precious in the sight of God. For for in this manner in former times the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid with any error. Now, you've already seen the pattern, so you ought to know what is coming in this section when Peter writes to wives. But we need to note that first word. Chapter 3, verse 1, likewise. Wives, likewise. Just like citizens viewing their authority, like servants viewing their authority, now, wives, you too submit and show respect. And then he says, even if you have a husband who's not walking with the Lord. Now, I think we can gather from this that here again is a husband who does not deserve it. Here's a wife expected to show respect and expected to be in submission to a husband who does not deserve it. My wife has observed it's hard for a wife to submit to a husband she does not respect. I said she observed that. I, I didn't say that that's her testimony. She, I didn't say she experienced that. She does occasionally put it a, 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 in a positive um, way. It's easy to submit to a husband whom she does respect. The problem here is that God's plan for the wife is to both submit and respect her husband whether he deserves it or not. It's okay if you have a hard time with this, ladies, or men. That's the whole point. You're supposed to have a hard time. Your response is supposed to be, that's unrealistic. That's impossible. How is that ever going to happen? And the answer is, God will lovingly respond 
to your inability because He is the God of all grace. He will enable you to do what you could not do apart from Him. You know, there are two words that have appeared in each of these sections, both with civil authorities, with servants, and now with wives. Those words are submit or, or submission or uh, be subject to, depending on your translation, but same word. And then the other one is respect or fear or honor. But those, those, those two concepts appear in each of these. It's, what we, it's how we relate to one another. We, we put ourselves under the other one. We submit to them. And we respect them. That's what God expects of Christians interacting with each other. I'll remind you, you need the grace of God to show proper respect to those who don't deserve it. <clears throat> well, we have two more groups. Who's next? Verse 7. Likewise, you husbands, <clears throat> dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Well, when we come to the husband, you don't actually see the word submit. But you know what? It's there. It is there. I believe there is the command, the expectation, that God says to husbands, as He said to everybody else, submit to and respect. It's in that first word, likewise. He's, he's got a list of five groups. And he's already shown in the first three, you have to place yourself under, you have to submit, and you have to honor, you have to show respect. Citizens, servants, likewise, wives. And now the first word he says when he comes to husbands is likewise. What do you, how do you understand likewise if that's not what he's saying? He's saying, husbands, the same thing applies to you. Men, you have to submit to your wives. And, and it's really, it's not. I mean, even in, uh, in Ephesians 5, I mean, that whole passage starts out by saying, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. I mean, that's, and that's, what, that's, how, that's how we lead. We lead by, and the word submit means to, uh, to place or appoint yourself to be under another. And it just means to put them in front of you. To put their interests in front of yours. And so that is the command that's given to the husbands here, I believe. Husbands are to submit to their wives. They place their wives' interests before their own. And then you have it in here that the very word for giving respect or honor is, is just right in the middle there. Giving honor to the wife. To understand the likewise that he begins this verse with, I think we have to say, we're talking about the same setup here, then that is that you need grace from God to show respect to those who don't deserve it, I think it's implied 
that we're dealing with a husband who's told to submit to and respect a wife who doesn't deserve that. But it's expected that she will receive it. It might be a, you may be here and you just say, well, preacher, you don't know my wife. She, she's, you give her an inch, she'll take a mile. You just got to keep your foot on her all the time. You got to keep her in her place. And I know my Bible. Wives submit to your husbands. That's what it says. Well, I believe the Bible also teaches that uh, the, loving thing, the loving way to lead is to place others before yourself. And that is re- the responsibility of the husband. And it goes on to say, if you don't honor your wife, if you don't respect her, if you will not show respect to your wife, God won't answer your prayers. That's what it says. I know it would be hard. I know it would be hard for a man who, who views himself as a leader of the home, he views it as a humbling himself and taking a, a step backward. Well, that's the point. It is hard. It goes against our nature. It does not come easy, and that's why you need God to lovingly respond to your inability and demonstrate His grace to you. Finally, we have one more. One more uh, general group of people. The last relationship where showing respect can be difficult is the one between the Christian and his Christian brother. Starting at verse 8. Finally, now okay, finally, you know what that means? I'm at the end of my list. I've given you four areas where it's difficult to to respect those who don't deserve it. I'm going to deal with one more category. Finally, here it is. All of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking guile. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Well, again, he's saying, finally, and again, this fits the pattern. He's showing, and again, you don't have the words, um, submit and respect, but you have the ideas here. He's saying this is another group where it's hard to show respect, and that is, well, we all know, some Christians are just hard to get along with. It's hard to treat some Christians with respect. Well, look, look how these Christians are described. Not returning evil for evil. Not returning reviling for reviling. So you have one Christian doing evil to another Christian. You have one Christian reviling another Christian. The word revile means to verbally abuse. I don't suppose you like this one either, do you? I don't. <laughs> Again, you mean if, if there's a Christian out there and he's going around doing evil and he is verbally abusing others, other brothers and sisters in Christ, you think I'm supposed to respect him? Yeah? I do. 
I think it'd be just terribly hard. And that's why God will lovingly respond to your inability and give you grace to obey. You don't just respect them. Look what else the verse says. You're to bless them. These evildoers, these verbally abusive. You don't just bless them, but on, or excuse me, you don't just um, uh, respect them. On the contrary, you give them a blessing, knowing this is how we were called. Well, what do you think? Would all this stuff fit in our culture? Well, it doesn't fit very well, I'll tell you that. Will it work? Does God really expect us to act this way? We're talking about showing respect to jerks. To arrogant, self-centered, power-hungry, abusive, rebellious bigots. And I'm supposed to respect them. Well, you know, Peter's not alone on this. Just a few pages back, in James chapter 3, talking about the tongue which no man can tame. In verse 8, that's what it says, no man can tame the, the tongue. It's, it's full of deadly poison. With that same tongue we bless God our Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Again, you have... the. It's wrong. It's wrong to curse our fellow man. You're you're supposed to be a blessing to them. You're supposed to speak respectfully to them. Now, some of you, you may may just hear this and you just say, I'm not going to do it. And I'll say, well, that's between you and God. Some of you are here thinking, I can't do it. And to you, I say, you can I see hope for you. Because that is the whole point of this passage. You can't do it on your own. But we have the God of all grace who will lovingly respond to your inability and enable you to obey. I suspect that if anyone would act like this in our culture, in our circles, he would stand out like a sore thumb. And again, I think, well, that's the point. That's how it's supposed to work. Let's see how Peter introduced this passage back in chapter 2, right before he tells the citizens to submit to their godless civil authority. He says in verse 11, 1 Peter 2.11, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable before the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they observe glorify God in the day of visitation. Therefore, submit yourself. And then he goes on through the list. But he starts out by saying, That if you act this way, you will stand out and people will notice. And when they stand before God, they're going to remember you. They're going to know you did right. And they will glorify God. When people cross you, when people annoy you, when they disappoint you, when they abuse you, when they disrespect you, the natural natural, uh, recourse or impulse is, 
I'll give them what they've got coming. Verse 11 calls this the fleshly lust response. For the Christian, there should be a war within. Talks about that, about the war in your soul. And that war is between the flesh and the spirit. The spirit reminding you that God says, for all God's creatures and deserve to be uh, treated with respect. And the final result is that God would be glorified. And of course, that's why we're here. That's why we exist. So God wants you to believe Him when He says, My grace is sufficient for you. When you have that inner war, when you think obedience to God is next to impossible, then God wants you to trust Him. To believe that when you need Him, like when it's hard to submit and respect those who do not deserve it, then you can know the true grace of God when He lovingly responds to your inability. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for showing us the truth. Lord, these, these expectations we've seen do not come easily. And we don't view this so much as a, a burden to be born, Lord, the, the thrust of the passage is that there is good news. Realizing what you expect of us, we have the promise that the God of grace will lovingly respond to our inability and will be there and will give grace to show respect even when there are those who do not deserve it. Now, Lord, we ask that you'd help us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.